Welcome to NARAL's The Morning After. Each Thursday, our podcast brings you the latest on reproductive health care, progressive politics, and the fight to keep abortion safe and legal. NARAL's The Morning After is a production of NARAL Pro-Choice Ohio. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ProChoiceOH. Enjoy the show! Hi, this is Kelly from NARAL Pro-Choice Ohio. This week, we were at the State House. We attended the floor vote for HB 214, which would outlaw abortion based on a Down syndrome diagnosis. Um, so we have some clips from representatives in the House floor that were trying to do the best they could to like either have this bill not pass or pass it in a way that actually would make it helpful to people with Down syndrome. So first up, we have Representative Amelia Sykes from Akron, uh, who also... Uh, pushing an amendment to block women from being forced to testify against the doctors that helped them uh, acquire this abortion that they wanted. <laughs> Here we go. The question is, shall the bill pass? The chair recognizes Representative Sykes. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I must stand and state my unequivocal opposition to the passage of House Bill 214. I have discussed several times in committee with my colleagues and with the support of my colleagues about the many issues that we have, in particular the egregious assertion of government into the sacred and private doctor-patient relationship. Uh, The fact that this bill will totally offend that relationship, not allowing honest discourse between a physician and a patient due to the fact that one of those parties may be subjected to criminal prosecution in case something is disclosed uh, and maybe one person does not want it to be. I've also spent a great amount of time raising the issues about the legal practicalities of this particular bill. And since I have introduced those comments when this bill was introduced by the sponsors, I have yet to receive any answers about how this bill will work practically. We have created a new felony offense, yet we have not heard anything about civil procedure, criminal procedure, any type of evidentiary rules or process in which this type of prosecution that would be done by the state of Ohio on behalf of the state of Ohio against a physician who were to perform an abortion in the event that there was a diagnosis of Down syndrome. That, I believe, creates a serious a serious and offensive issue for the legal process. And I am here and I can definitely tell you, and we do not carefully think about how these things happen. This is where we will see discrimination within the legal process. If we do not carefully craft our laws in a way in which we do not allow for discrimination by considering these different pieces and parts and how these these different things work together. While the bill itself does not require uh, a woman at her physician visit to disclose whether or not she is having an abortion because there is a, a diagnosis of Down syndrome, it, is, it remains totally silent. And that, to me, sets up an opportunity for abuse to that woman, whether it is an abuse by the physician who is going to insist that she answers a question, yes or no, before there is any type of consultation or discussion about all of the facts about whether or not this is a good decision about what are the possibilities and how uh, the pregnancy can go forward or not go forward, that will completely chill that speech. And it is possible that there's going to be a lot of potential abuse just from that uh, physician-patient relationship. But there's also going to be some potential abuse within the legal system, as I said before, because the state, on behalf of the people of the state of Ohio, 
through the prosecution may compel a woman through subpoena to come in and disclose whether or not she had an abortion for a particular reason. Now, again, we've asked these questions. We've offered amendments. And the amendment that I'm offering here would simply say that a woman shall not be required to disclose to any person for the reason that an abortion is being sought. And I believe that a woman has that right to privacy. We all agree on having privacy. We do not want the government in particular intruding on our personal decisions and the things that we do and do not do, do and do not um, participate in. And for many of my colleagues, we've heard and talked about how government is so intrusive into our daily lives. And so I would hope that so many of you would be willing to support this amendment that was also offered in committee and had some dialogue in committee to say that we will not let the government force women to say something. You cannot be forced to say or disclose the reason why you are seeking a medical procedure. I think that is fair. I think that does not offend our laws and I think that it is within the ideals of this, this state as well as this country. After we took the vote for uh, House Bill 214 in committee, I spoke to someone in the hallway and they said to me, it just must be so tough to be a woman in the General Assembly. And let me tell you, it absolutely is. And for so many reasons, some of you all can guess, uh, we've had some issues going on uh, recently. But one of the reasons why it's particularly tough is that time after time and day after day, women are told what we can and cannot do or be. And this bill is one of those very offensive bills in which we are now going to say that the state of Ohio can pull you from your home, drag you into court, and make you disclose why or why you did not have a medical procedure. I think that's unfair. I think that's unjust. And that is what will lead to discrimination. And so I ask each and every one of my colleagues to please stand with me um, and with the, woman, with the women of the state of Ohio. Stand with us for once and do not force us to say and do things that we do not want to do simply because you are on a crusade of moral authority. So to my colleagues, I ask that you do not move to table this amendment. And if we do, I ask that you vote in favor of including this amendment that stands up for women, our privacy rights, and to protect the integrity of our legal processes. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. And of course that amendment was tabled. Um, up next, we have Tavia Galonski, also from Akron. This is the first time we have heard Tavia Galonski on the House floor. She's new. Mr. Speaker, thank you. Uh, I rise in opposition to the bill. Prior to being sworn in as a lawmaker on May 10th, I was a magistrate for over 15 years. A magistrate is a member of the judiciary here in Ohio who adjudicates and disposes of legal matters on a daily basis. I handled thousands of cases in my years. Prior to that, I was a practicing attorney. I am still a licensed practicing attorney. I cannot understand why you would in one fell swoop do away with the doctrine of privilege. Black's Law Dictionary defines the doctrine of privilege as a sacred right between two people, confidential. In this case being between the practitioner and the uh, the person receiving medical treatment. There are lawyers practicing right now who are not prepared to do away with the rules of evidence and privilege, and there are doctors right now not at all prepared to do away with their practice. I cannot understand as lawmakers why you would even consider going this step and changing things so dramatically 
without serious consideration of all the laws that you would undo. Thank you. Up next, we have Representative Michelle Lepore-Hagan, who later on in the afternoon actually offered sponsored testimony for um, a House bill that would uh, kind of stymie the uh, clinic harassment. We've definitely seen an uptick over the last two years or so. Uh, Lapore Hagen is from Youngstown, and she also introduced an amendment to add money specifically for special education, uh, of which has been cut over the last few years here in Ohio. This amendment will focus our priority away from the controversial and politically motivated bill that this that has been rejected by states in the Supreme Courts that have passed this bill in other states. Instead of forcing states to spend millions of dollars defending this unconstitutional bill, let's spend the money to increase special education funding, which has been stagnant over the last several budget cycles. This amendment will raise special education for all students with disabilities by $210 million. Right in my district, right in Youngstown, Ohio, the funding was cut for the Youngstown Developmental Center. It was eliminated, sending family members and residents searching for new facilities. Some of those residents had been in that place for 40 years. Busloads of residents and family members came to Columbus to testify against this closure because the, sta the state we cut the funding for their facility. I'm going to read you a portion of a testimony that Catherine David wrote and testified on March 2015. She was testifying for her brother, Stephen Bolvoni. Stephen is unable to speak for himself as a resident of the Youngstown Developmental Center. I'm begging you to listen to the parents, legal guardians, and community members before you today and help us to overturn this terrible decision. The Youngstown Developmental Center is an, ad, is an attribute to our community and deserves to remain open for years to come. I know other families in the future may need a placement for their loved ones one day. I want to believe the state legislature would support these families by making sure their loved ones are able to enjoy the care and support the Youngstown Developmental Center has provided for my family. My brother is not a number or a statistic. He is a human being that deserves to be treated with dignity and respect. And I ask that you reconsider closing down the Youngstown Developmental Center. Well, what did we do? We cut the funds and we closed it. And I'd like to read uh, another testimony from Mary Burry, who, is, who was an um, employee at the Youngstown Developmental Center, and she had a child that attended there. I have a child with Down syndrome, or as we like to call it, get down syndrome because she likes to dance. I'm speaking on, ha on behalf of my child today who would never really be appropriately placed in the Youngstown Developmental Center. Although I'd rather see my child live in a place like YDC than in a group home. But YDC is closed. It, it no longer exists because we cut the funding. We all claim to be law-abiding citizens. But with this bill, we are really challenging the laws of the land. We're really, are we really willing to spend money in a court battle, but not money to fund programs that help families and kids in need? How can we spend money defending an obviously losing challenge in the Supreme Court and not increase funds for special education? We love our children in the state of Ohio, all of our children, 
especially the most vulnerable members of our society, our children with special needs. So how can we ignore the calls to increase money for a developmental disability community or fund special education the way that it should be funded to really protect the most vulnerable members of our communities and help support the families, the families that are in need of special assistance to help them raise these children. So I implore you to respect the law of the land, save our ta Ohio tax dollars that will be wasted on a costly court battle and put that money instead into action making a real difference in the lives of the people that really need us to be fighting for them, the, the most vulnerable members of our society and their families. I urge a no vote on the bill. Thank you. That amendment was also tabled. Now we have Representative Stephanie Howes from Cleveland. Um, so I just want to share um, words. I know there has been a lot of testimony uh, given regarding uh, House Bill 214. And um, I want to share the testimony uh, of Mr. Barry Rosenberg, who is the parent of a Down syndrome, um, who is opposed to this bill. Um, in Mr. Rosenberg's words, in reading about Senate Bill 164, the companion bill to House Bill 214, I was very upset to see the legislators in Ohio are using people with Down syndrome to chip away at the abortion issue. I have a three-year-old son with Down syndrome, and we knew early on about our son's condition. We had a choice, and we decided to keep our son. This was a very tough decision for my wife and me, but I'm glad we had such a choice. This enabled us to truly embrace what was coming our way versus feeling that this was being forced upon us by some unknown legislators. Today, I feel rather blessed that my son has Down syndrome. He has truly been a blessing to our family. I only hope that I can teach him as much as he had already taught me in just three years. We should all spend time with people who have Down syndrome. They have a lot to teach the world if we only take the time to listen. If our legislators truly care about the people with Down syndrome, then I would love to see them take this opportunity to create a more inclusive community for people with such developmental issues, not use people like my son to politicize an issue. Children with Down syndrome are sometimes born with severe heart conditions, hearing problems, eyesight concerns, and many other medical issues that need financial assistance. My child attends an early childhood development school, which costs over $12,000 per year. Over 50% of the students within my son's school need some type of financial aid. It has now been proven that by working with children with Down syndrome from 18 months to six years old, that they can mainstream into a more traditional learning environment and become more productive members of our community. If you really care about the Down syndrome community, let's go beyond just the recently passed ABLE Act and truly provide financial aid for early childhood development and supplemental insurance to cover all of the unusual medical needs that arise with having an extra chromosome. Whatever you do, please stop using my son to politicize your own agenda. In the words and in the voice of a parent of a Down syndrome child, Mr. Barry Rosenberger, I respectfully ask this legislature to vote and oppose House Bill 214. Representative Bridget Kelly from Cincinnati. 
Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, and thank you for the opportunity to speak in opposition to this bill. Our office got a lot of calls uh, regarding this matter. And so we gave some thought to what we would say uh, when we had the opportunity to speak on the floor. Um, there is someone who works in my district who's an attorney and a policy specialist at Children's Hospital Medical Center. And she's also the mother of a lovely young daughter who is 20 years old who has Down syndrome. And she actually came up to Columbus to testify in opposition of this bill. And so what she says is this bill sends a very clear message. The message is that the Ohio House has determined that some disabilities are more worthy of life than others. This bill tells us that one disability, Down syndrome, should be prioritized. With this bill, the Ohio House tells us that individuals with spina bifida, fragile X, fragile X, and every other genetically based disability aren't worthy of protection. This bill creates a hierarchy of disabilities with Down syndrome at the top, receiving state-sanctioned protection and stigmatizes every other disability not deserving of the same protection. Legislation that pits disability against disability is misguided and results in bad public policy. What message does this send to the prospective parent who receives a prenatal diagnosis of a non-protected, non-Down syndrome disability? House Bill 214 sets up conditions to actually encourage terminations of pregnancies with these diagnoses as the state doesn't deem these disabilities as worthy of protections. I'm sure this is an unintended consequence but when you start making arbitrary decisions about which diagnoses deserve protections, you automatically make decisions about which do not, showing profound disrespect for these lives. Further, this bill creates a wedge in the disability community, declaring Down syndrome as the better disability, the one worth saving against all other disabilities. Again, I doubt this is the public policy outcome intended. I certainly don't know the committee's collective experience in education with respect to developmental and other related disabilities, but I'd venture to guess very few of the members are living this life. Because if you were, I very much doubt you'd presume to judge on behalf of the entire state of Ohio which disability you should protect and serve. And so I would ask my colleagues to join with me and to join with Jane in opposition to this bill. Thank you. Representative Nikki Antonio from Lakewood, who introduced an amendment to give Down syndrome patients Medicaid. Um, they, would be, they would be eligible for Medicaid their entire lives, um, and the person who birthed them would also be eligible for Medicaid up to 60 days after giving birth, I believe. I do not believe that this is a discussion and a debate about discrimination for a disability, but it's a debate, again, we've been here before, on the private rights of citizens. Last time I checked, women were still citizens. According to their decision-making as citizens, this bill inserts the General Assembly into a personal private decision for a woman and her family, along with her physician. This bill requires that constitutional decision is now a decision that has penalties even for discussing in her most private, sacred conversation with her physician. And as we've talked about already today, um, there are a lot of legal concerns about this bill. But this bill, this, this amendment would require that any woman who is not given 
this decision and her family a decision that if she must go forward to full term with a pregnancy, that she be covered um, both prenatal and labor through delivery by Medicaid. Because if the legislature is going to make this decision for her, then the legislature should also approve that she have access to full medical care. It further asks that the child be covered for their entire life by Medicaid. Um, now, most of the people on Medicaid, as we all know, age blind, disabled, and children. 40% of our children in the state of Ohio are already covered by Medicaid. 50% of the births that happen in this state are covered by Medicaid. But this would guarantee for all those children that are born that they would be covered. This bill doesn't, isn't supported by the disability community, by providing resources for parents and children with special needs. All it does is remove the ability of a woman to make whatever choice she feels best for the future of her family. And for many families, deciding to continue the pregnancy is that right decision. But no, this legislature would take that decision away from families. Legislators cannot know the situation of every woman and every family, and certainly we should not be the ones to be making this decision. This bill has no exceptions in it, no exceptions of consideration for rape and incest, no consideration whatsoever. I'm not the expert. I'm not the expert on this. When I was in college, and postgraduate, I worked with children that had all kinds of disabilities. Down syndrome, Prader-Willi syndrome, spina bifida. It was a joy to work with those children. It was a struggle for many of those families. But I am not an expert at being a parent of a child with Down syndrome. But David Perry is. David Perry test, wrote testimony, gave us testimony in both the Senate and the House in consideration of this bill. David Perry knows what it's like to be the parent of a Down syndrome child. These are the words of David Perry. Here are a few facts about Down syndrome for those of you who don't know. Down syndrome happens at conception when an embryo develops an extra copy of the 21st chromosome. That's called a trisomy. There are lots of different kinds of trisomies, 13, 18, etc., each with a distinct range of medical outcomes. But trisomy 21, or Down syndrome, is by far the most common. Unlike any other condition, genetic or otherwise, a trisomy is relatively easy to detect. Either there's an extra chromosome or there isn't. The ability to detect a trisomy has opened up a new and troubling world of prenatal testing. Amniocentesis can reveal a firm diagnosis in the second trimester and carries a slight risk of miscarriage. But there are few screening regimes that locate placental DNA in the mother's blood and assess for trisomy. These screenings, though not 100% accurate, can be done much earlier. All of this makes disability selective abortion possible for Down syndrome in the way it currently isn't available for other conditions. But technology is racing forward, and we need to figure out how to talk about these issues. The Ohio legislation's blanket ban isn't going to help at all. But even if it's enforced somehow, it could just lead women to lie about the reasons they aborted or make Down syndrome code for poverty when only poor people are forced to give birth after a diagnosis. 
I'm the father of a boy with Down syndrome. I spend much of my life trying to make the world a better place for him. In doing so, I find common cause with liberals and conservatives from around the country as we focus on issues like education, employment, and fighting stigma. Just last December, the otherwise do-nothing 113th Congress passed the ABLE Act, a widely partisan bill that permits people with disabilities to save money for expenses, such as education and housing, without losing key federal benefits. It's a great bill and couldn't happen without a coalition and trust across the partisan divide. Here's one example of the consequences of this wedge issue approach. Around the country, we've been making real progress in attacking the misconceptions built within the prenatal testing regime. When people receive a prenatal diagnosis, they are often told things that aren't true, and we brought this up in committee as well. And this misinformation can naturally shape the choice of whether to terminate a pregnancy. To counter this, a loose coalition of self-advocates, people with Down syndrome, who work publicly on issues relating to disability, parents, ethicists, lawmakers, medical professions, and others have come together to ensure that women with a prenatal diagnosis receive accurate information. This pro-information movement draws allies from all backgrounds, or did anyway, because now the anti-abortion lobby has been targeting these bills as well, skewing legislation to serve its ends and hijacking the movement when a pro-information law forces doctors to conceal information thanks to anti-abortion activists, the coalition is dead. Here's the most frustrating thing for me, he writes. There is much to complain about regarding our prenatal testing, the way we talk about Down syndrome, stigma against all kinds of people with disabilities, the lack of education, employment opportunities for people with disabilities, and more. There's lots of work to do. The best way to get people to choose to carry a fetus with Down syndrome to term is to make the words Down syndrome less scary. That's hard. That's not politically useful. So instead, we've got bills like House Bill 214. Right now, people with Down syndrome are shattering our biases. It's not just high-profile feel-good stories about models or superficial inspirational stories about prom queens and athletes allowed to score every day. I'm seeing people with Down syndrome learn work from relationships, perform service to others, set goals, and surpass them, and generally accomplish things that 20 years ago no one would have thought possible. That's where our energy should be going. If you want to help people with Down syndrome, don't politicize their births. Instead, get to work on building a more inclusive society. These are the words of David Perry. I oppose this bill, I ask for support of my amendment, and I am ready to work with my colleagues, any colleagues in this chamber, to get the work done of building a more inclusive society. Sadly, this bill does not do that. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. That amendment was also tabled. And finally, we have Teresa Fetter from Toledo, uh, having been interrupted by the Speaker of the House for essentially being a woman again. 
Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I think it's a very sad day that we're here today on this particular bill, especially when I found out that you're taking the extreme position on all these bills now since the heartbeat bill, that there are no exemptions. You know, I've heard um, comment, you know, families, 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 but I want to remind you there are many different instances in an individual's life that an individual may find themselves or herself in a situation. And I want to remind you of what that is, because I think that's the honest way to address this really tough issue. And everybody, I believe, in this state house believes in life. And it's unfortunate that we use, you know, the dancing on the edge of a knife for political reasons. But I do want to remind you that we have a rule of law in this nation, that this body is breaking the rule of law in this nation. And the, and the very intelligent, um, respectful, respected lawyers in this chamber did not weigh into the justice system to serve justice. So I want to go back to um, what I like to define really as a dangerous path. I do agree. But I want to interject a dangerous path from a perspective of a culture that we have pervasive sexual harassment issues in the 21st century, which is unacceptable, number one. And also... You know, pervasive please, please keep rape. your comments germane to the bill. I am. The question is, shall the bill pass? Sexual harassment can lead to rape, which is my please next try point. To keep your comments germane to the bill. The next point is the rape culture, which is germane to this bill. Well, tell us how. And we have a rape culture in our country where we face human trafficking. The child abuse and neglect in the state of Ohio is rampant with rape culture. And... When people find themselves like I did, and I would have to go through this illegal bill in the nation, I take great offense, great offense, because again, you are not walking in the shoes of what fits well. Talking about a dangerous path, talk about being an American where government is not interjected into your personal health choices. And for that reason, I implore you to not vote for this bill. It's illegal. It's a waste of time in the Constitution of our law. It will be struck down like Indiana. And we want to be about our children in a good culture, in a culture that's fair, that we are going to make sure they're educated, that we deal with poverty, which poverty plays into this role. It cannot be just teased away to the point now we are discriminating against children who are disabled. And we really need to listen to the citizens of Ohio. So with that, I respectfully ask that we vote no. Question is, shall the bill pass? The House will prepare and proceed to vote. 63 affirmative votes, 30 negative votes. Having received the required constitutional majority, the bill is hereby passed and entitled. All right, and this bill did uh, unfortunately pass in the House. Uh, it was it uh, was voted favorably uh, pretty much along party lines as we anticipated and we'll be going to the Senate next. Uh, we will definitely continue fighting this bill. Keep an eye on our website at prochoiceohio.org to see when the Senate vote comes out and uh, to email your senator. And uh, that's all we have for you this week. Thanks for tuning in.